welcome to this recording from Crossroad International Church. In today's message, we will continue our series from the book of Jonah as we look at chapter 3 and the account of Jonah's arrival in Nineveh. Jonah only shared one sentence, and as we will observe, Nineveh actually heeded the warning God sent through Jonah, and the city was spared. Our prayer is that God will use this recording to minister to you and help you find that those around you whom you share a relationship with are watching your life. Many times it is through our actions rather than our words that God will reach others, and in the end, we are called to an obedience to God. We will now join Pastor Steve in the message already in progress. You know, God is doing some great things in the church and through the church. And I'm excited about this series that we're doing on Jonah. I told you at the very beginning, two of my favorite people are Jonah and Peter. Because I can relate to both Peter and Jonah. You know, Jonah is called the reluctant prophet. God called him in chapter 1 and says, go to Nineveh. So he headed 180 degrees the opposite direction. Because he didn't want the Ninevites to receive the good news. So you remember the storm came and everything. And he said, well, here's the answer. Throw me overboard. Thinking that now I'm going to drown. Now I will die and everything will be okay. Nineveh won't get the gospel. And I think last week you learned that God had a little surprise for Jonah. I don't know that it was a yellow submarine, but it was a fish that God prepared. The first submarine ride in human history God prepared for Jonah. And then Jonah, somewhere in that three-day ride, got right with God. And it's interesting, it didn't say as soon as the fish swallowed him that he started praying. It said he was in the belly of the fish three days and he prayed. Let me give you some advice. If you're running from God, don't run along the coast. And if you do run along the coast and a big fish swallows you, don't wait three days to pray. Do it immediately, okay? But, you know, Jonah was kind of, you know, this guy that he was willing to go to almost any length that his enemies would not receive the gospel. And I want to read the last verse 10 of chapter 2, and then we'll go into chapter 3 because they kind of go together. So the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. And now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three-day journey in extent. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. And then he cried out and said, and this is the only bit of prophecy in this whole book. Eight words. This is the prophecy of Jonah. Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast, and put on sackcloth from the greatest to 
to the least of them. Then the word came to the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne and laid aside his robe, and he covered himself with sackcloth and sat in the ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and to publish throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily to God. Yes, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in in his hands. Who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away from his fierce anger so that he, we may not perish. Verse 10. Then God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God relented from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. So if you want a title for this message, it's the city, God's mercy and compassion revealed. When we first put this series together, I had named it The City, A Place to Change. But as I studied this chapter, it wasn't a place for change. It was a place that showed God's mercy and God's compassion. In the book of Jonah, God is the hero of this book. It's about God's compassion and God's mercy. In verse 1, we have Jonah's recommission. In chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, Jonah was commissioned. Now in Jonah chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, he is re-commissioned. God gives him a difficult mission. He says, go to the city Nineveh and preach to them. Why was that so difficult? I don't know about you, Dale, but as a preacher, I love getting invitations to go places to preach. And when God tells you to go, it's even better. So why was this so hard for Jonah? It's because the Ninevites were their enemies. This would be like asking someone from a concentration camp, one of the Jewish prisoners in the concentration camp in World War II, to go to Germany and preach to Hitler. That's what this was like. It would have been like one of the Christians in Iraq just not long ago asking them to go to ISIS and preach the gospel to them. That, that's the type of thing we're talking about. It's kind of like God coming to you and say. Go to the boss that didn't give you the raise and tell him I love him. Uh, You know, that's a little more down to home. Maybe we can understand that one better. Be kind of like blessing the guy that just cut you off on the 30 rather than giving him some fellowship with your hand or something. You know what I'm talking about. This was a very difficult mission. But when God gives us difficult missions, we need to understand who God is. 
If any of you have heard me preach much, you've heard me make this statement about God. God, the God we serve, He's too powerful to fail. The God that we serve is too wise to make a mistake. And the God we serve loves me too much to hurt me. So when God asks me to go to some place I don't want to go, there's no argument. Because God only has my best interest at heart. He knows I am a vessel that can be used in that situation, so He will ask me to do it. You know, as a Bible school teacher, I love giving exams. One of my favorite parts of teaching is giving an exam. Because, see, I look at exams differently than most people look at an exam. I look at, at the exam as it tells me how good a job I did teaching, not how good a job the students did learning. Because I know if I've taught them properly and I've equipped them properly, then they should be able to pass the exam that I give them if I did my job right. So whenever God sends an exam our way, take confidence. Because God knows that He has equipped us and He has trained us and we are able to do what He's called us to do or He wouldn't give it to us. I don't know about your Bible, but my Bible says God will never put more on me than I can handle, and He'll always give me a way of an escape. So whenever God asks you to do something, get excited. Because God has enough confidence that you can do it that He asks you. In other words, He knew Jonah could do this. And so He asked him, See, God sent Jonah to Nineveh. But God has sent me to Kuwait. Everybody do something for me. Point up to God. You've seen me do this before as well. What do you do next? Point right here. <laughs> this is the one God has sent to Kuwait to touch Kuwait. Who? See, it's real easy to point, oh, you know, brother God sent you here for a reason. Oh, sister God sent you here for a reason. But no, God sent who? Me. This one. So now I have a choice to make. What am I going to do about it? See, it's wonderful that I know God sent Dell, and I can tell Dell what he needs to do to get it accomplished. But when I know God sent me, then I have to know what God wants me to do to get it accomplished. And I believe that God has Crossroad International Church here for a purpose to reach this nation. So after the summer, when everybody's back, we're going to start about a six or an eight-week series called Friends First on how to reach out to our neighbors and friends in this nation that don't believe like we do. So that was Jonah's recommission. 
And then in Jonah chapter 3, we see Jonah's obedience. It says, And Jonah went, arose, and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. See, Jonah obeys and does what God tells him, but Jonah still does not want Nineveh to repent. I think Jonah went and preached because he didn't want another ride in a fish. He didn't want any more punishment from God. So God said again, go to Nineveh and preach. So Jonah got up and went. But he still didn't want them to repent. Read chapter 4 verse 1. You remember we read in chapter 3 verse 10 that they repented and God didn't destroy them? Verse 4, chapter 4 verse 1 says, But it displeased Jonah exceedingly and he became angry. You'll learn next week that Jonah even argued with God and said, See, I told you. I know you, God. You're merciful. And you're full of compassion. That's why I didn't want to go to Nineveh. Because I know you. If I go and preach. They're going to repent. And you won't burn them up anymore. But Jonah went. And he repented. He went and he preached to them in Nineveh. See, Jonah was like the little boy I heard about in kindergarten. And he, he was always moving and he couldn't sit down. And finally, the teacher just grabbed him by the head and she sat him in the chair and she said, Johnny, sit. So he sat. And a few minutes later, he raised his hand. The teacher says, what, Johnny? He says, I may be sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. That's kind of the attitude of Jonah. Okay, God, I'm doing this on the outside, but on the inside, I want them to burn. See, this is why I can identify with Jonah. Because sometimes people have done things to me and I wanted them to burn. And God says, forgive them. Well, I know I have to, so I do it. But you know, God, this really doesn't feel very good. I'll do what you tell me, but you know, I really don't want to do this. But I've gotten now to the place to where I don't do that anymore. I just tell God up front what I think because he knows what I think anyway. And I say, God, I know I'm supposed to do this, but I don't know that I can. Would you please help me get my attitude and my heart to the place to where I desire to do this and I'm not just doing it because I don't want any punishment for not doing it. And as I pray that way, God is able to do something in my heart when people do things to me that it is a desire then to pray for them 
I have a heart then to see them restored. What is your reaction when God asks you to witness to people that you don't like? Or they're not like you? See, not only was this a hard task for Jonah, but verse 4 says it was an urgent task. The city of Nineveh only had 40 days before destruction came. And so this was an urgent task. They didn't have very long before judgment fell. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 2 says that now, today, is the day of salvation. So don't put off telling people about the good news of Jesus. Because we never know when our last day on this earth is going to be. We've been praying all this last week for Dora and Roshni and Maria. Because their husband and their dad went off to work. Never came home. You know, you say, well, you know, God is prompting you to tell your neighbor or to tell your boss or to tell someone about Jesus. And you say, well, let me wait for the right time. Well, the scripture says today is the day. You know, there may not be a better time. And what's exciting about this story is Jonah preaches an eight-word message. Think we could pull that off, Dale? <laughs> An eight word message and then mass revival. And wouldn't that be awesome? Think about it. I mean, when, when I think about Jonah, I think about this is the missionary dream to God to send you to a, a city of 100,000 people that are about to be annihilated by God and you say eight words and the whole city repents? And Jonah got mad. It was a wonderful thing that happened. But I wanted you to think of a little picture of Jonah. Where has Jonah been for the last three days? In the belly of a fish. And it's very vivid what the scripture says. God spoke to the fish and it didn't spit Jonah up on the land. He said the fish vomited him up. That means everything else that was in the fish's stomach came out with Jonah. So think about it. Here's this guy that comes walking into town, seaweed wrapped all, all around him, his skin bleached white by stomach acids. I don't know what, and probably smell terrible. And you know he's your enemy, but here he's come to town to tell you, repent or God's going to destroy you. I think it got their attention. Because it's immediately when he preached, 40 days and then Nineveh will be destroyed, it says that not some of the people, but all of the people from the greatest 
to the least, dressed in sackcloth. They proclaimed a fast. They made a sacrifice. And they dressed in sackcloth an act of humility. And even the king himself came off of his throne, took off his royal robes, and put on sackcloth and sat in ashes, and then said to everyone, Let no one eat or drink. Everyone cry out to God. Turn from your wicked ways and let's see if God will spare us. They turn to God. They humble themselves. They turn from their wicked ways and they cried out. And verse 10 is the key verse of this whole book. Then God saw their works, that they turned from their evil ways, and God relented from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. God spared this entire generation. See, our God is a God of mercy and compassion. God gives every generation a chance to turn to Him. This whole generation was spared. But it's interesting to note that the young people, the children that were spared during this time, somehow they did not get the message. Because 60 years later, the entire city of Nineveh was wiped off the face of the earth. See, I cannot rely on my grandfather or my grandmother's faith. I cannot rest on the faith of my mother and my father. That's why in the charge that Dell gave to Colin and Megan, will you raise him up and tell him about the things of God? Because see, Samuel will have a personal relationship with God. So this these people repented but something happened because 60 years later they were back doing what they had been doing before and they were destroyed. That's why it is so important for us to teach our children and our grandchildren and I don't think there's anybody in here with great grandkids but if you have them Teach those guys to know Jesus personally. That's what I love about our Sunday school that we have. I've gotten lots of comments from parents. You know, when we discuss with our kids what they learn, they know it. And they can tell back to the parents the things that they are learning. But please, parents... Don't rely on your children getting everything they need when they come here on Friday. You need to be teaching this around the breakfast table and the dinner table and at night and in the morning so that they know that they know the things of God. And I want to read a last scripture for you out of 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 14 through 16. 
This is for you and I. But if you also suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. And do not fear their fear, nor be troubled, but sanctify the Lord in your hearts. And this is what I want you to catch today. And be ready always to give an answer to everyone who asks you a reason of the hope in you with meekness and in fear, having a good conscience that while they speak against you as evildoers, they may be shamed, those falsely accusing your good behavior in Christ. Dell told you as a congregation that you have kids here in this church that are watching the way you interact. Well, let me tell you, everywhere you go, people are watching you. When you're at work and they know you're a Christian and something happens, the way you react to that tells them something about your God. And when something bad goes wrong and you react in a way that brings glory to God, they're going to come to you and they're going to ask you, what is it about you that gives you this hope? See, you don't have to go out and blast people with the gospel. You don't have to go be obnoxious. Just last week in Nigeria, there was a guy standing in the road preaching the gospel and he got right in front of the car and he wouldn't move and he's blocking all the traffic so, you know, that he could preach the gospel. That's not bringing glory to God. But when you're around people and you're building relationships with them and you're building friendships with them and you're you're getting to know them and they really see how you are and the way you react... If you react in a godly manner, they will come ask you. See, I could come up to my brother and I'd say, you know, brother, I love you. You know, I really love you. What's going to speak louder? My words or my actions of punching him in the face? (laughs) I wouldn't do it to him because he's bigger than me. He'd probably punch back. But a lot of times as Christians, that's what we do. We have wonderful words, but our actions tell us something different. So I just want to encourage you today. Don't obey God just because you don't want to be punished. That's kind of what Jonah did. He already experienced three days in the whale. If that didn't work, what's God got planned next? You know, maybe there's a big bird or something. Who knows? But ask God to touch your heart that when he speaks to us, we see it as an opportunity for God to be God in our lives. Because God really is too powerful to fail. He really is too wise to make a mistake. And he really does love me too much to hurt me. Let's pray. Father, we just come to you. We thank you for this time. Father, we ask for just a confirmation of your word today. Father, you would seal your word in our hearts by your spirit. 
We come against the enemy that would try to snatch the word out of our minds and out of our hearts. And Father, let this word take hold. Yes, you sent Jonah to Nineveh, but you have sent each of us to Kuwait. Father, you sent each one of us to the places where we work. And there are people there that need to hear your word. Father, we ask that you would continue to bless this church, bless everyone. Father, that as they go from this place today, that you would be with them and you would lead them and guide them. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand for the benediction and then we'll be dismissed for a time of fellowship. Now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. And as you go from this place, go with the peace of God that passes all understanding, ruling and reigning in your hearts. And may you show forth his glory to everyone you see in Jesus' name. Amen.